Now, a few years ago, Max received a letter from a major credit card company. The letter said that Max had been pre-approved for a new credit card with a $10,000 spending limit. That's higher than my credit card. It was pretty amazing, considering Max had never had a credit card before. In fact, Max had no credit. My wife is laughing hysterically here, because Max is my cat. Now, I thought about signing him up, but with no job prospects uh, and no job to speak of, I thought that was probably not the most responsible thing to do. Now, that's a funny story, but it speaks volumes to the culture we live in. You see, we live in a world that tempts us and even encourages us to live beyond our means. We live in a world where we can have things today and pay for them tomorrow. To pay for a house or a car or even groceries with cash or money in hand is unheard of. It's almost insanity. You wouldn't carry cash like that with you. Like it or not, we all get caught up in this struggle to want and this struggle to want more. We want what we want when we want it. And I'm no different. A few years ago, uh, a revolutionary video game came out, changed my life, literally, called Rock Band. It's my, literally my favorite video game of all time. It came out in 2007, and when, I had, uh, when it came out, I had a PlayStation 2. Now, for some of you who have no idea what video games are, just don't pay attention for the next five minutes because it's not going to make any sense. No, I, I think we'll, we'll catch you up here. I had a PlayStation 2, and, and I bought Rock Band. Uh, it was a video game. And, of course, when you buy Rock Band, you need, a, you need a guitar, and you need another guitar, and you need a microphone, and you need drums to play Rock Band. It's a, kind of a, a cooperative, fun kind of party game where you get to sing and play different instruments uh, with, the, with the TV. So I did that. I bought that. I invested in that. It was a little expensive. And I had 58 songs on this Rock Band 1 on my PlayStation 2, and it was wonderful. It was great. But then I learned that if I wanted to download additional songs, that I would need a better gaming console. My PlayStation 2 would not be good enough. So I needed a PlayStation 3, or I needed an Xbox 360. So I saved up some money, and the next year when Rock Band 2 came out, I went out and I bought an Xbox 360. And I sold my PlayStation 2, I sold all the instruments that I had for it, and I had to buy new instruments. I had to buy a new guitar and another new guitar, and I had to buy new drums and a new microphone. And I was able to download several you know, songs, and so I had a, a good song library. Now I was playing Rock Band 2. I had all the instruments I needed, got a good group of songs, and pretty soon that wasn't enough. And I decided that I needed to expand my experience, so I decided to buy some actual music equipment, like, uh, you know, mic stand. Got to have a mic stand and, you know, professional drumsticks and a drum throne, which is what they sit on back there. So I bought all of that stuff, and I bought lots and lots of songs. And then Rock Band 3 came out a couple years later. Now, within a, within a month of Rock Band 3 coming out, I was rated one of the top vocalists, one of the top 100 vocalists on Xbox Live. So to to satisfy this, um, this great celebration, I had to have a wireless microphone because my wired microphone wasn't good enough. So I had to upgrade. I, I had to have that next thing. Then they announced that there would be a 
Fender Stratocaster actual guitar that would come out that you could play with Rock Band. It would be a real Fender Stratocaster made by Squire, and it would allow you to both play the guitar and also play Rock Band. So I had to have that, of course, and when it came out, uh, March of last year, I thought that I was going to bring it, and I completely forgot. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. But that, that was just, that's the story. Now, you know, I don't think God has anything against rock band, uh, and, I, and I have spent a lot of money on this, but I don't think that's, uh, you know, that's not the, the point that I'm trying to make here, because I think I've gotten my money's worth of the investment that I've made. But you heard in the story that how what I had was not enough. I could have been happy with rock band one and my PlayStation two and left it there. But I needed the next upgrade. I needed the next attachment. I needed the next thing. There was always something more. Thankfully, these new dance games have kind of taken over the spotlight, so there's not anything coming out for Rock Band anymore. So that's saving me quite a bit of money. (laughs) Or not. Uh, We live in a world where there's always something else. There's always something better. And we are never truly happy with what we have. So why is that? That's kind of what we're looking at tonight. Why is that? Part of why is that we, or part of why we always want more is because we uh, have this thing called the American dream. Now, the the founders of our nation had a dream of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was their, their fundamental dream. Other men and women have expressed dreams for our country. The Statue of Liberty on the uh, placard inside says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning, to breathe free. I, I just, uh, I, I picture my ancestors, um, my, my great-grandparents coming over to this country and, and seeing that image, that statue. Um, yeah, and, and that just speaks to me of that dream that they had to leave, uh, you know, the suffering and leave the oppression that they experienced and come to this land of freedom. Now, we have famous speeches, including Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, which speaks about the hope of equality the hope of true equality among all people. But when we refer to the American dream, is that really what we're talking about? Are we talking about these lofty ideals? I really don't think so. You see, when I think of the American dream, I think of owning my own house, a couple of cars, being able to afford nice things for my wife and my family. I think of winning it big, right? The uh, Mega Millions just got up over 500 million a few weeks ago. So you think about, oh man, if I had $500 million, how would I spend it all in three months and be bankrupt? You can ask the people that won in here in a couple weeks. Then then you would have, that. you you would hope so, but unfortunately for many of our lotto winners, that is not the case. I think for most people, the American dream has become synonymous with success and with material possessions. Unfortunately, the American dream has become a nightmare for many of us. This culminated in the financial crisis and eventual financial collapse in 2007-2008. Now, there were a lot of reasons for this economic event that we are still living in, still recovering from. Uh, But there are at least two spiritual illnesses at work here. One is affluenza and one is credititis. Now, let's start with affluenza. These are made-up words, (laughs) just so you're not, you know, Googling them. Affluenza is the constant need for more, bigger, and better stuff. 
here's how we can define it. The bloated, sluggish, and unfulfilled feeling that comes from efforts to keep up with the Joneses. Now, you know, we have that saying, keeping up with the Joneses. That idea that we have to have at least as much as our neighbor. This, the second definition is an eco, uh, epidemic of stress, overwork, and waste, and indebtedness caused by the dogged pursuit of the American dream. So that, that hope to, to live out the American dream that, that just becomes kind of a self uh, self, uh, self uh, uh, just kind of becomes a nightmare because we uh, get in debt, we overwork, we stress out about it. And finally, an unsustainable addiction to economic growth. And that was one of the major issues that we had several years ago. The economy was growing and growing and growing, and at some point, something was going to change, and, and it did. Now, we love to shop, we love to spend, and we love to have. Shopping actually creates feelings of joy, feelings of happiness. Uh, when you shop, it actually uh, it, it has a chemical effect on your body, and you can actually you know, experience a rush or a high, and you can actually become addicted to shopping. We never have enough, and the more we have, the more we desire. Now, in 1973, the average home was about 1,660 square feet. Right? This is in 1973. In 2004, that figure rose to 2,400 square feet. So we went from uh, the average home being 1,600 square feet to the average home being 2,400 square feet. Now, ironically, even though that figure has risen, the need for storage space has also increased dramatically. Storage has actually become a billion-dollar industry in the United States. And it, it was actually uh, estimated uh, just several years, uh, just a few years ago that there is 2 billion square feet of self-storage space in the United States. That we have so much stuff, we have to find somewhere to put it. It doesn't fit in our house. Even though our houses are bigger than they've ever been, we also then are buying those self-storage units uh, you know, that are all over the place. You haul and other people have them. Life store that we have to find additional space. That, that stuff is so important to us that we need to rent another little house to put it all in. Now, the second illness is credititis, which is the opportunity for us to buy now and pay later. It feeds off our ever-growing desire for instant gratification, which is a major issue in so many things in our society. We want things when we uh, want them, and we want them right now. And credit companies are willing to pre-approve cats so that they can get us to buy now. Now, it wasn't always that way. I was thinking of uh, when I was young and the kind of things that my parents taught me. And my parents taught me that when you wanted something, you needed to save up for it. Uh, It was funny, just before church, we were talking about it. Uh, When I was young, I, I was probably six or seven, there was a Lego set that was just really cool. It was a monorail, you know, like they have at Disney World. And it was an electronic monorail. You know, you build it out of Legos and then you put it on track and it was automatic. And and even 20-some years ago, that monorail set cost $100. So it it was pretty expensive. And so I saved up for it and I saved up for it and I saved up for it. When I had the money, I went out and I bought it. We don't encourage ourselves to do that today. No one, is, no one encouraged me to save up for that several hundred dollar guitar that I bought for a rock band. They encouraged me to put it on my credit card. 
You know, we go to, we know, go to demonstrations and things, and they encourage you. You pay with credit, and you get bonuses. You get percent off. You get a free item. No one is encouraging me to put things on layaway. In fact, I think about 95% of people under 30 would have no idea what layaway is, even though it's coming back into style. Credit cards have become the buying power of our nation. Credit is the buying power of our nation. The average family, and this was several years ago, this was almost 10 years ago, the average family had $9,000 in credit card debt. I don't know what that number is today, but you can imagine it's much higher. That's just on their credit cards. Now, that doesn't include their mortgage. That doesn't include their student loans. That doesn't include car payments. That is just their credit cards, $9,000 in debt. And if you are like me and you pay your credit card off every month, you have no credit card debt, which means the average person who has credit card debt has much more than $9,000. 10, 20, I have friends with twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 just in credit card debt. It's not their student loans. It's not their house. That's not their car. Now hear this. Think about this. If you have $9,000 on a credit card and you stop using it, you cut the card up, stop using it, and you pay the minimum payment of about 2%, on some of our cards, you can pay about 2%, and that's the monthly payment. It would take you 240 years to pay that credit card off if your interest rate was 18%. And I don't know about you, but my interest rate is not 18% on my credit card, and it hasn't been for a long time. 240 years. The point of it is we set ourselves up to have things we can never truly afford. Now, there's a deep spiritual issue underneath these illnesses of affluenza and credititis. In the church, we refer to that issue as sin. See, God created us to be in perfect union with him. We just spent the last seven weeks talking about that. But we turn away from God and we follow our own will and our own desires. God created us to be content, joyful, generous people. But sin corrupts that. Three of the seven deadly sins are actually at work in the financial crisis. First, we experience envy when we desire something that someone else has. Second, we experience greed. We give into it when we continually want more and more. Finally, we fall prey to gluttony when we consume and consume, yet our hunger for things is never satisfied. Now, the Bible talks about being slaves to sin, and we talk about that in church, and you'll hear it in the music that we sing, about being slaves to sin. But sometimes that's hard for us to understand. But if you look at the nature of debt, the kind of debt that we have, you can see how many of us are slaves to debt, which means we're slaves to sin. The example I brought up earlier about credit card debt shows that if you're going to take 240 years to pay something off, you've sold yourself into slavery. You can never repay that debt, right? Well, maybe some of you think you're going to live that long. I don't think I'm going to live that long. Think about the other things you can do. You can buy a new car, take out a five-year loan, although I've heard that looking at some of the things, you can do six, seven, eight, nine-year loans on a car now. But then in a couple years, you want a new car, and so you roll that loan over into the new car. And then a couple years later, you do the same thing. And a couple years later, you do the same thing. That's not something that I, I was familiar with, but it's something that's very common. And now that $20,000 car you bought is a $50,000 car and you didn't even realize it. You'll be paying that car payment off for the rest of your life. Before the economic collapse, 
they were doing 40 and 50 year mortgages on houses, sometimes double mortgages of 50 years. Many people would not live long enough to pay off their homes. It's the same in so many things. I went off to college and then I went off to graduate college or graduate school. And I'll be paying for that for at least seven or eight more years. Now, money is the only thing that just continuously challenges my faith. It's the only thing that challenges my love of God. It challenges my trust in God and it distorts my priorities. It's the one thing in our world that I truly, truly hate. And it's the one thing that Jesus talked about just about more than anything else. But we live in a world governed by money. So is there any hope? Can we truly follow Christ and live in a capitalistic society, a society governed by cash, governed by credit? I believe there is hope. And the next several weeks, we are going to look at just how we can start to regain the freedom in our lives. We're going to be uh, getting biblical principles. We're going to do practical principles. And we're going to see how we can free ourselves from slavery to sin and death. But before we do any of that, we have to acknowledge that the first step in this process, before anything else, is transformed hearts and a transformed life in Jesus Christ. When you hear these words from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, Then Jesus told his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, And then he will repay every man for what he has done. There's a a wonderful Toby Mac song, one of my favorite Toby Mac songs, uh, which is actually based off of this scripture. And the chorus goes, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. Compared to the eternity we have with God, our lives here are pretty short. So if your whole focus is on here and now, if your whole focus is on the things you have, the things you want, the things you desire you are going to end up as a slave to debt. You're going to end up as a slave to sin. Christ reminds us that to truly be free, we have to follow him. The first step is asking Christ to truly change your heart. If your goal in this, you know, if you want to, uh, if you want to approach financial change as, well, I want to save more money so that I can buy nicer things, I want to spend less money so that I can have money to do whatever I want. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a vicious cycle. But if your goal is to truly be free, to experience new life, new life which leads to joy, contentment, then I believe Christ can truly help. I've included a little business card in your, uh, uh, right on your New Life notes, actually. And if you carefully pull it off, it will still... It will still rip. <laughs> we do actually have uh, other ones printed off if you'd like them, but you can maybe get it off certainly. Uh, this is a little business card you can carry with you. Uh, and on the back of it is a prayer. It's a, a contentment prayer, and I think it's up on the screen now. It's a great prayer to ask. You know, when you're, when you're standing in, you know, in the checkout, let's say you need to get ink for your printer, and so you're at Best Buy, 
You know, when, when you walk into Best Buy, like I do on a regular basis, being a silver platinum Best Buy member, and they keep throwing me things, and, and you ask yourself, do I really, do I really need that? Uh, this is a great prayer. So, I mean, I encourage you just to keep it in your pocket. Keep it, put it right next to your credit card. Because before you start spending, it's good to ask God, do I really need this? Is this really going to bring me joy? Is this really going to bring me contentment? Will this really change my life? And remind yourself that, no, it's Christ that changes your life. Christ who, you can bring, who can bring you joy. And he's already paid the price. Well, I, I hope that's one in the same. Yeah. Your, your whole being, body, mind, and soul, can be changed by Christ, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. So I encourage you. I'm not, we're not going to pray this together tonight, but just hear these words. Lord, help me to be grateful for what I have, to remember that I don't need most of what I want, and that joy is found in simplicity and generosity. Amen. Spend some good time looking at that and... Uh, Give you some great tips. I think Jeff is going to, next week, is going to give you some great tips for how to get your life back on track if it is a problem. Uh, and then we may even talk about doing some of these groups uh, if, there are so, if there are some of you who are just really struggling uh, with debt, with finances, because uh, that's a real, real big issue, and there are ways to deal with that. Uh, so let's transition now into the uh, last part of our worship experience. I encourage, again, all of you uh, to stay after for Pizza with New Life, just a wonderful time of fellowship. Uh, encourage you just to take part of that and to celebrate that. Uh, great things coming up and a little more information about some upcoming things. Um, transition now into uh, our prayer and offering. want to thank everybody for just a wonderful, uh, wonderful week last night or, or last week. Uh, we had a uh, community, free community breakfast last week and Easter egg hunt. We had over 200 people, or almost 200 people at that event, over 100 people from the community who were not connected to our church uh, and not connected to anybody from our church uh, came to that event. And uh, some of those families actually came to worship that evening. It was just a wonderful event. We will do more things like that, an incredible success in our minds. Uh, we, we just want to respect and love on our community, and that's one way we do for, to provide that free, uh, so that free entertainment or, or that free meal. Uh, and that is being paid forward a little bit as we're going to uh, share some of those resources with our parent congregation as they have a pancake breakfast coming up this summer too. So just uh, wonderful to be involved in that as the uh, Maple Park Fire Department helped us with some of those uh, items, some of that pancake mix and syrup and stuff. Uh, we want to help others uh, who are doing the same thing and just... Uh, share that love on. Uh, let's just be in a mind of prayer now, and uh, once we're done with prayer, the ushers will come forward and uh, take our offering, and we just thank you for any gifts you give and any way you can just share with God. That's just a wonderful thing. So let's have a word of prayer. Step into God's presence. Lord, we ask that you just be with us now. That you come upon us, that you Send your spirit to us in this place. That you truly just lift us up. 
that as we were once slaves to sin and death, you have made us free through your life, death, and resurrection. Help us now. Truly be your people. Truly follow you. We ask now that you pray for all of those who our prayer group has been praying for, all those prayers that have been added today. We want you to pray for all of those who are just in need of your love, those who are struggling, those who are going through tough times, those who are in darkness, who are alone, who are lost. Be with them. Shed your grace and love upon them. Help us to show that love to them in a very real way. Be with the leaders of this nation, the leaders of this world, the leaders of this community. Help them to lead in a path that leads towards you, towards your son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you be with the church, that you be with those servants in the church and outside of the church. Be with all those people who serve us. Help us be servants to them as well. Most of all, we ask that you be with your holy church. That you truly make your church your body. With Christ at our head. Leading us towards you every day. Be with your congregation here at New Life. Help us to continue to reach out. Continue to share your good news. Continue to have an impact on our community and on our lives. We pray these things in your holy name.